Mike, don't you think Mike did a great job last week? I was really blessed by it. You know, it's a little awkward people clapping for you. Unless you just are narcissistic. You're like, yes. <laughs> I did great. But no, you did a great job, Mike. I'm glad for that. And I, I know God's going to continue to use you as you develop those those gifts and those those callings on your life. And that's for everybody, not just Mike. Uh, all of us have gifts. All of us have callings on our lives. It may not be to get up and speak and preach a sermon, but uh, our lives preach a sermon. How we live our life is a sermon. you know. And, and that may be the most powerful sermon anybody ever sees, is how you live your life and how you go about your daily business, you know, and so, um, anyway, I just thought I'd say that, and I do appreciate you guys, um, everybody here makes a big difference to, to this church community, um, but we're going to start a new series today, and um, it's called Matters of the Heart, and uh, I just really believe that, that God wants to deal with our hearts more than anything else, I really believe that, I know a church and religion can be so externally focused sometimes, if you grew up in a religious home, um, if you grew up under the... The, the holiness movement um, and maybe the the lingering effects of the holiness movement. Um, Aunt Mills probably remembers some holiness teaching from her day when um, you, know, you don't wear your dress this long, you don't put on makeup, you don't do this, you don't do that. Certain things that were really taught and all these external things that seem to be so important to God that he cared the level of you know the hem of your dress or these sort of things. I went to a Baptist Christian school and uh, you know there was girls couldn't wear shorts, they could wear culottes. <laughs> Whatever culottes are, that's that was cool with God, you know, because shorts were not cool, but culottes are cool. I don't know. I mean, so we come up with a lot of externals um, that we think, you know, this is what God's all about. And I'm not saying that God doesn't care about our actions or our externals, but I do believe Scripture bears witness that He cares most about our hearts first, because out of the out of the heart comes the actions that uh, that flow into our everyday life. And so we're going to talk about one of the matters of the heart. I believe is very powerful. And um, I think sometimes misunderstood in our, in our lives, and even in the Christian circles, and even in what the Bible says about it, I think it's misunderstood to a degree. And we're going to talk this morning about, and this weekend, next week, about anger. About anger. Um, anger is something that um, can be a very powerful force for uh, evil, and we all would recognize that. But I want to talk about, especially next week, how it can be a force for good. Um, and so we're going to look at that. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Avengers. All right, Avengers. Um, you don't have to. You got your green shorts on. There's one Avenger that um, he draws his strength from anger. Right, the Incredible Hulk. You guys know about the Incredible Hulk. This guy is. If he's not angry, he's not very helpful. Right. But if he's too angry, he's not very helpful. If you remember the Age of Ultron, right? He blew up uh, Africa. We watched that one recently. So he tore up some country in Africa because the Incredible Hulk was too angry. So he had to manage, you know, do, am I angry enough or not angry? Now, I want to really kind of look at that from a balanced perspective because I, to, I was taught growing up, don't be angry. You should never be angry. You're, you're a Christian. Don't be angry at people. That's not good, right? And so I want to look at a balanced perspective that Scripture gives about anger and its place in our life and how we deal with the anger in our lives. So that's what I want to do. And I'm going to try my best. Um, I can't be angry that I, I, it makes me really, when I start researching, I, I, I don't know if you know me, but I just dig, 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 dig. And then somebody got to climb myself back out of the hole and have something to give you, you know, like I go and pluck all the ingredients somewhere, but then sometimes they're not all prepared into a meal. So I got a lot of stuff I'm still processing through because I've been digging and digging into this topic for, for you know, a couple weeks since Mike uh, preached last week. But, um, you know, we, we live in a culture that I read this article in Atlantic magazine talks about how we are in this outrage culture. 
that people are, are more and more angry today than, than ever before. They do studies and talk about how the political climate has increased in anger. They've asked people, are you more angry at the opposite party? And it's increased in the last 10, 15 years. People are more angry at the other party. They're angry at the way things are turning out. They're angry at the government. They're angry in America. People are more and more outraged about everything. If you go on Facebook and the happenings of Lexington County, people are angry about this. They're angry about Lexington Middle being uh, purchased for too much money. They're angry about Beechwood Middle School putting nice stones on the front of the building because kids don't need nice stones, and that's a waste of taxpayer dollars. They're angry about this, and they're angry about that. People are angry about everything. Give them a chance. Uh, and you can be angry about something. I was at a basketball game last night, and I had to be really careful because I'd be angry at the referees, you know, because they're making terrible calls. Lo and behold, that was their 12th game in a row refing, so I think anybody would make terrible calls. But, uh, you know, we all have opportunities in our lives to be angry about something. I'm just fed up. I can't believe these people. I can't just, you know, what in the world's going on? And it all comes from somewhere. It all comes from somewhere. Why are we angry? A lot of times we focus on because they did something. That's why I'm angry, because of them. We don't, all, we don't always focus on because of me. Well, I, that's why I'm angry. It's because of them. You know, I wouldn't be able to rest and make the right calls. I wouldn't be angry, right? That's their fault. Or, or maybe it's something here. <laughs> maybe it's me a little bit more than them that's making me angry. Uh, the Bible talks about, and this is in our Tuesday discussion group. Mike's going to uh, have a discussion group Tuesday like he normally does. And we're gonna, he's going to take some of this, this content that I can't really get to in the message. They're going to chew on it a little bit if you're able to go to that um, Tuesdays at uh, 10 o'clock over at the Haven. Um, but the Bible talks about how God is slow to anger in the Old Testament. The Bible talks about God's anger in the Old Testament. And it talks about his wrath, the wrath of God. We don't talk about that a whole lot. What is the wrath of God? I mean, I don't know. Jesus loves everybody, right? What is the wrath of God? What does that even mean? That's a topic that was worthy of discussion. I don't think I can fully unpack it this morning. But the Bible in the Old Testament over and over says that God is slow to anger. So anger is a part of God's character, but it's not something that defines him uh, immediately. God is slow to anger. Um, and, and, and in the New Testament, James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to what? Become angry. So even in the New Testament, the command to us is, is to not immediately become angry, but be slow to become angry. But it doesn't say quick to listen, slow to speak, and never, be, never get angry. Right? The Bible doesn't say that. You should never be angry. You're a Christian. Okay, I'm not. That's what I want to talk about. Because sometimes I grew up in this idea that as a Christian, you got to put a smile on your face. Everything's great. Jesus is Lord, you know? And so you got to always be happy, um, you know, pretty much look like everything's good, God's good. Because hasn't he blessed you, right? You know, so people can turn the screws on you, right? Hasn't God blessed your life? What's wrong? Why, why would you even be mad? I know, why would you be so ungrateful for all God's goodness? What's wrong with you? You know, all right, now, now I'm not angry. I'm, and we just stuff it down inside, right? We put it down further. And so I'm going to look at that next week. But what does anger come from? What does anger come from? Where do we, where do we get this? You know, how, how do we see this in society? We're coming an outrage culture. Um, we, there were some events even this week where people expressed anger, and it was, it was terrible. I mean, Virginia Beach, we had a shooting. And our, 12 people died because of uh, apparently a, a man, he wasn't happy. I, we don't know the whole story, but he certainly was angry. And he took the violence to shoot his coworkers because of something that wasn't going right in his life or probably something he was upset about, something he was mad, something he felt was wrong. And what we, we've turned into as a nation and all these shootings is people cannot deal with their anger. 
And so they turn to something and I'm going to solve it my own way. And a lot of times it has through, through violence to somebody else. Um, even this, this week, and sadly in our community, um, uh, we lost somebody in our community in Lexington. There was a, there was a man, a, a husband, father, business owner that was killed by his brother who was shot. Um, Cassie actually coached his daughter on a, um, Lily's basketball team. He was shot down, and you can look up the new, on the news. Um, but he was killed, and the secretary of the business was killed. Um, don't know the whole story, but apparently there was some dispute, there was some disagreement, there was some anger, and I, um, one brother killed the other brother. Anger. It's, it's a terrible thing. It could be such a destructive force. How we deal with our anger really will spell the nature of our society, the nature of our community, and how we live in our families and our homes. We have to be able to understand the anger in us, and what do we do with it? Ephesians 4.26, this is a very important verse. I think we should memorize this. It says this, be angry and do not sin. Be angry. That command, that's actually an imperative command. I read some commentators, and uh, some debated whether Paul was being sarcastic, because uh, Paul likes to use some sarcasm when he's writing this. But it's in the imperative voice. Be angry. This is a command. Be angry. And do not sin. So the Bible is telling us anger. I, I believe Paul's saying, hey, you can be angry. But what you do with it matters. You, it's okay to be angry, but don't sin. Don't pretend like you're not angry. Don't say nobody can be angry. But what are you going to do with your anger? He says this next, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, that's, that's important. I remember hearing this as a kid, and I always thought, okay, well, that means I, you know, if I get angry, I mean, hopefully it's not right at like 7 o'clock or, you know, because then, man, the sun's going down. I got no time to deal with, you know, I, I took this as a literal command. And I think there's some importance to that. Some couples maybe have a little rule in their marriage where, hey, we're never going to go to bed angry. And I think that's good. I think that's good. But I also know that there's things in life that can happen to us that you can't process in a day or in five minutes. So if you only take this as a literal command, oh, man, the sun went down. Oh, I guess I'm not angry anymore, but I really am. But I'll just pretend like I'm not. You know, it's not healthy. It's not good. And so I think the idea here is be angry, don't sin, and don't, tr- don't hold on to anger inside for a long period of time. If it's a day, if you can deal with a day, good. If it's something huge and maybe it takes a couple days, okay. Maybe it takes a little bit longer, okay. But don't hold it inside. Don't let it, the sun continually go down on your anger and, and just bottle it inside. we got, we got to deal with it, look at it in our lives and deal with it and do something with it. Because verse 27 says this, and give no opportunity to the devil. So here's what happens. In our lives, when we, when we hold on to anger, we give the enemy a foothold in our lives to do things that we would not do ordinarily. Amen. Think about that. You're giving Satan, your, your spiritual enemy, a, a foothold in your life when you hold on to anger. Whatever that, whatever that anger is, we're going to look at what anger comes from and how it looks, but whatever type it is, we give the enemy an, an opportunity to, to reshape our life rather than our Heavenly Father. So do we want our enemy shaping our life or do we want God shaping our life? That's the question. If we hold on to anger, we let the enemy have a foothold in how he shapes who we are. And we don't want that. We're going to look at now uh, Genesis 4, 3, and 7. This is uh, uh, one of the first examples of anger in the Bible. This is the story of Cain. Um, and Cain is um, the son of Adam and Eve. First parents, they have brothers. If you had a brother, you ever probably got angry at your brother. Andrew had a brother, has a brother, I'm sure. There was once or twice. 
along the way. And I have two brothers, and yes, we got angry with one another. Um, it happens. You even have a sister. You might get angry at your sister. I don't know. Dane, I don't think you ever got angry at your sisters, but it could happen one day. So just be watching out for this, okay? All right. It says this, in the course of time, verse 3, Cain brought some of the, uh, the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Now, some of this story, people, commentators and others have read between the lines. Why? Why did he look with favor on this? What happened here? What was going on? Um, you know, the first fruits was given. Uh, Cain maybe brought things that were not uh, sacrificial. We, it doesn't really say exactly, but we believe there's the nature of the offering was different. Maybe the heart behind the offering was different. I don't know. That's what people have uh, supposed. But regardless, Abel is looked on with favor. Cain is not. And, and, and so here's one of the bottom line things. Here, here's what happens where we get angry a lot of times is because we don't think things are fair. Well, God, I brought an offering. He brought an offering. That's not fair. You liked his, didn't like mine. Not fair. You know? Who's ever thought something wasn't fair? Come on now. That ain't fair. Man, what's up with that? That's not fair. Who's ever said that? Thank you. You're honest. I like your honesty. Um, and so here's what happens, though. So Cain was very angry. He wasn't kind of angry. He wasn't a little bit upset. He wasn't like, man. He was very angry. And his face was downcast. God didn't like my offering, but he liked my brother's offering. He's turning Hulk. He's going crazy. Very angry. Then the Lord said to Cain, this is important. I like this question. I want us to ask our question, ourselves this question all through the week. Okay, all through the week, this is the guiding question I want you to think about. Why are you angry? You may immediately say, I'm not angry, Pastor. I've dealt with that long ago. You know, praise God. I, mean, I dealt with that at the altar, man, back when I was 22 or when I was 15. I dealt with my anger. Okay, what, do you live in a bubble or something? I mean, you don't go through life? Why are you angry? Why are you angry? You could be the oldest person in this room, the youngest person in this room, and you're dealing with anger today. You may not even realize it. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Okay? God doesn't say, get over it. What's your problem? He just asks him, why? Think about it. God wants us, he invites us to think and contemplate about these things that are going on in our life. To be, to be thoughtful and reflective about why we're angry, why we're upset. He says this, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? He doesn't say, you have to stop being angry right now or, or it's all over. He says, hey, you're angry. Think about it. Why is it there? But if you t- go forward and do what's right. I get that you're upset. I get this didn't go the way you want. But you know what? You still have a chance to do right. It doesn't all have to go the way you want in life for you to, to go forward and to live a righteous life. You can be angry. You can go through things. You can be hurt. You can go through most difficult situations, but that doesn't mean that you have to follow into that anger and let it drive your life forward. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. The first mention of this sin in the Bible, one of the earliest mentions, has to do with the anger in our lives. That when anger takes root into our heart, we give the enemy a foothold and sin is crouching at our door. 
and that all these sort of negative things can happen when we don't deal with our anger the way that God wants us to. Where does anger come from? Let's look at this for a second. Where does anger come from? Often anger comes from hurt and from pain. <coughs> hurt and from pain in our lives. I remember when I was at Southeastern, I had a professor that said it this way, hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. If you've been hurt by someone, chances are that person was hurting. Something happened to them. Chances are when, when someone lashes out at you, there's something they're dealing with in their life. Right? And guess what? If you get hurt by them lashing out at you, if you don't deal with that situation right, you're going to probably lash out at somebody else. Or you're going to bottle it up inside and it's going to have a negative effect in another way. Hurting people hurt people. And so where does, where does anger come from? From hurt and pain. When someone hurts us, when something painful happens, um, often the response is anger. This is what Andy Stanley says. Show me an angry person and I'll show you a hurt person. Show me an angry person and I'll show you a hurt person. And he says, I guarantee you that person is hurt because something has been taken. Think about this for a second. Somebody owes them something. He goes on to say, the root of anger is the perception that something has been taken. Something is owed to you. And now a debt-to-debtor relationship has been established. Anger often is because something has been taken. That should have been mine. That should have It should have been this way. They took this. They owe me. And this is where in a debt-to-debtor relationship. You took my reputation. You stole my family. You took the best years of my life. You stole my first marriage. You robbed me of my teenage years. You robbed me of my purity. You owe me a raise. I'm bad. I've been here a long time. Not being treated right. You owe me an opportunity to try. You owe me a second chance. You owe me affection. All of these sort of things, this way that's a debt-to-debtor relationship. We're angry because something was taken, and we believe we deserved it, and it wasn't fair. So we're asking ourselves, why am I angry? Why am I angry? Um, if you're filling in the blanks today, I'll, I'll try to help you out. I know that's a lot of little blanks along the way. The first one is just the reason. What is the reason for it? That's what we're looking at today. We're going to look at the reason for it. Next week, we're going to look at how do we deal with it. So we want to unearth what is the reasons why I'm angry. Sometimes we don't even know. We go around in, a, in a, just a fog of er, we just angry, or maybe it, it deal, we deal with it in a different way, of bitterness in other ways. What, why am I angry? What is the reason for it? Number one, there's three different things we're going to look at. Number one is there's unrighteous anger. Let's just be honest. Many times that we're angry, it's unrighteous. It's not, it's not for our right cause. We're angry, and we shouldn't really be. So we need to evaluate it and we need to look at the whole of the situation and say, you know what? I really have no true reason to be angry here. I need to let this go. Often that happens. You know, I'm angry at the referees. You know what? These guys have been here all day long. 12th game. You know what? This game really doesn't matter in this whole scheme of things. I shouldn't be angry at these people. There are other human beings. I want to be, I want to be a kind person, right? I got to let it go. Right? Oh, I can be, I'm going to the league director. I wasn't, I was a bad call, you know. No, I don't need to do that. Not, there's no point to that. Okay? So here's where we're going to look at some different characters in the Bible. All right? If you don't know anything about the Bible, you're going to learn something here. If you like to dig in, this is a good chance to dig, to read a little bit further. Uh, first character we're going to look at is Saul, Old Testament Saul. Old Testament Saul. Who knows anything about Saul? Saul is first king of Israel, right? First king of Israel. He was a very good-looking king. He was tall. He, was, he, he looked the part, but in his heart, he started getting some things going on that were not kingly. And uh, he had a lot of things. If you, if you look at the, the inner life of Saul, it's a pretty interesting thing. 
Um, if you look at it from a psychological perspective and all sorts, his inner life was pretty messed up. So we look at uh, 1 Samuel 18, 8. It says, and Saul was very angry. This is just one time. Saul was angry a lot. Remember, he used to throw a spear at David and just try to hit him and kill him. Like, hey, you know, you're my, my closest, you know, companion here. You play music for me. It's all great. And you go out and fight the enemy. But, you know, when I'm mad, I'm going to try to kill you. So um, I don't know if you ever had a boss that way. He throws spears at you. Um, there's actually a really good book um, that talks about David and Saul and their relationship and, and how to, to avoid the spears that are thrown at us. It's a pretty good one. Uh, but anyways, and Saul was very angry, saying, and this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? So if you don't know the context of this, after battles, they, the women would come out and sing the praises of the warriors. And they would say, yes, Saul, dude, you've killed thousands. You're awesome. But David's killed ten thousands. So, Saul, you're good, but you're, you know, David's a little bit better. I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of like the king, but you're not quite the greatest. And so Saul was dealing with, let's think about what he was dealing with. Why is he angry? His pride was hurt. He was jealous. He had anxiety. Okay, we can be, we can be angry because of the anxiety. We're, we're worried he's going to lose his, his throne, his kingdom. What, he says, what else could he have more but the kingdom? So there's a lot of anxiety he's dealing with. Stress, like I might lose my throne. This guy's going to take it. These, they don't, and, and so he's feeling a loss of control, feeling the kingdom slipping through his hands. And people look at this as, as a sense of why we're angry. Sometimes we feel like out of control in our lives. I, I'm not in control of this situation. Maybe you know people are control freaks. I'm in control, you know. And then when it's not, I just started. I randomly looked over this way. Um, I'm just in control, and when things get out of control, it gets me mad, right? Because I like to be in control. And so Saul's like, hey, I'm not in control. People aren't, you know, maybe I'm not really the king that they're just sitting on the throne. And truly he was because God said, I'm going to take the kingdom from you. And so he's dealing with all of these issues in his life. And he has anger toward David. This unrighteous anger. Um, think about why am I angry? Are these sort of things going on in my life? Am I anxious? Am I hurt? Am I jealous? Do I feel a loss of control? Uh, things slipping out of, out of hand. Number two, the older brother. The older brother, Luke 15, 28. Now, do you guys know who the older brother is? The older brother is in the story of the prodigal son. If you remember the story, the, the son leaves, takes the wealth, right? And when he comes back, if you know the story, you know, the father forgives, big party, yay, little brother's back, everybody's happy, except the older brother. The older brother's like, wait a second, what do I get out of this, Right? I don't get this thing because I was here the whole time. I didn't do all that. And I'm still just working in the field. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. This, is, this isn't fair. Think about that. Now, now let's look at the verse. It says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. He was not going to go into the party. So his father went out and pleaded with him. He was angry. Wait, 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 wait. wait. He can't just come back here, get forgiven, <coughs> given a party, given all this stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is not fair. This is unfair. He thought his situation was not equitable. This is not how it should work. I, I lived a good life. I did all the right things. This guy did not. He, he totally despised my father, yet now they're honoring him. What is wrong with this? Who's ever felt like they've been treated unfairly in their life? Right? That's part of the human experience. Hey, 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 I, I put on a lot of time here, and now they're promoting this guy? Hey, 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 you know, what's going on here? 
this isn't fair. This is not good. I, this doesn't make sense, right? If you go through the logic of it, boom, boom, boom. You know, I am, I'm on the side of the right, you know, because this is not fair. But you know what? The father's pleading with the son. Come in. <laughs> this situation isn't fair, I know. But this is my grace. This is my love, right? And we may go through situations where it's not the father and grace and all that. It's just plain unfair. And then we're going to look at kind of some, some little more mixed situations where we're looking at unrighteous. A lot of times we look at things being unfair just through our own perspective, too. I don't want to say that. You know, it's not fair. But we don't ever want to bother looking at it from another angle or nothing. We just look at it how we see it. It's not fair. And we can build a good case. But we don't see the big picture. We don't want to look out here. And so we have unrighteous anger because we want to build a, a scenario where it's not fair and, and we're, we're right. Um, third one, Uzziah. King Uzziah, U-Z-Z-I-A-H, if you're wondering. It's not a name you spell a lot. All right, 2 Chronicles 26, 18 and 19 said, and they, and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It's not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron who are consecrated to burn incense, go out to the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor to the Lord. And then Uzziah was very angry. And if you read the story, he becomes leprous. God strikes him with leprosy. He's angry because he's the king. And he has a Messiah complex. He has a, I'm the king, I'm the boss, I can do what I want. He, you know, hey, nobody can tell me what to do. This is my thing. This is this is my domain. And if I want to step in and be a priest, I'll do that. If I want, So he overreaches, he oversteps, and he has wounded pride. I don't know if your pride has ever been wounded before, where you kind of... I'm pretty big and bad, and then like all of a sudden your pride is wounded a little bit, and you're not quite as great as you thought you were, right? You're not quite everything that you were trying to pump yourself up to be, and that's what happens to Uzziah. His pride is wounded, and he's angry. Man, I'm not the I'm not the great king, and I can do whatever I want. No, you're just God's king, and you got to still follow what God says. And so his pride is wounded. He's very angry, and he has to deal with his anger because God's saying, "Listen, we got to put put you in the right spot here. You're not God." I'm here, you're there, and you need to remember that. When our pride is wounded, sometimes we become angry. And that's not a, that's not a righteous reason to be angry. It's because our pride is hurt. Oh, man, I thought I was this, and now I'm not as great as I thought I was. God sometimes will do that to us. If we don't humble ourselves, he'll deal with our pride. Right? Number four, Jonah. Jonah 4, wants it, but, Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. It goes on in that. Ver- it goes on in uh, chapter four to talk about how Jonah. Remember the prophet Jonah speaks to the Ninevites, and he's waiting for a fire to come down from heaven. Again, he's kind of like the older brother. Wait a second, these people are bad. God, you should strike them down and kill them. They've been they've been messing with a lot of people around here. This is the chance for you to just destroy these people. And God instead shows them grace. And he says, "This isn't fair. This is not. Ah, this doesn't seem right. This is wrong." And so he goes and waits, he sits under a shade, of, and then a worm comes and eats his shade, and he's like, this is even worse. Now my, I'm getting a sunburn while I'm watching for God to uh, destroy this city, and nothing's happening the way I want it, and so I'm mad, I'm angry. We can be angry because things aren't happening the way we want them to happen. God, I want it to happen this way, I want this to happen, uh, this is how it should all work out. My life should look like this, this is how everything, this is what, uh, you know, I did these things, I was supposed to do, and now it should look like this, and it doesn't. 
life doesn't always work out the way we want it to, and we can get mad and get angry at God. God, why are you doing it this way? You shouldn't do that. It's not the way it should work. Jonah's angry because it didn't, everything seemed wrong. This is wrong. He's angry later at his lack of comfort. God, why you made my life uncomfortable? Ever been angry because God made your life uncomfortable? God, I thought you were here to make my life easy. You know, now i got to do this. i got to come here early in the morning set up. You know, I'm supposed to be working on this, doing my sermon, and I gotta, now i got to leave worship, and i, and I got to preach. God, what's, you know, why can't I be in, like these other churches where all they do is come in and drink some coffee and talk to people, and everything's great, right? I don't know who ever thought that before. Uh, I mean, uh, we, yeah, maybe some pastor somewhere, right? We can get angry because God makes our life uncomfortable, but maybe he's doing that on, for a reason. Right? So we gotta we gotta understand why am I angry? Well God, because you made my life hard. Well maybe I'm trying to teach you something. Maybe I'm trying to show you something you would never know unless you're uncomfortable. Number five. This is Naaman. N-A-A-M-A-N. Naaman. Naaman is a non-Israelite. Found him in the Old Testament in 2 Kings. He is a an officer of an army of Israel's enemies. And he also contracts leprosy. And at that time, there was no cure. There was no uh, solution. And um, he has, he sent over to the prophet in Israel, to Elisha, to receive healing. He hears that this is the only way you really can get healed. And so Naaman, this this top officer in the enemy army, comes in in a big caravan and comes and he's like all right let's let's get this done i'm pretty big stuff you're pretty big stuff let's get this done it says and elisha sent a messenger to him saying go and wash in the jordan jordan river seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean but naaman was very angry and went away saying behold i thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the lord and he would wave his hand over the place and cure the leper are not Abiah and uh, Parfar, the rivers in Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. Can I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away in a rage. Again, this is a, an unmet expectation. I expected it to be like this. He would come out, he would go, Ooh, and we have this big ceremony, and then everything, I'd be great, and that's how it would go. That's why I came here, you know? And then now he's telling me I got to go wash in this river. I have to go and... and, and this dirty, nasty river. I got other rivers that are better than this river. What, what's this whole thing? It's not my what I expected. This is this is an unmet expectation, and, and so we're disappointed. Sometimes in life we have we have disappointments and unmet expectations that, and we're angry. I expected it to be like this. He was he was angry because he was not honored. He was maybe overlooked, not treated as as important as he really was. He sent a servant out. He should at least come out himself. You know why did he send this servant out? Who doesn't think I'm important? He thinks he's cooler than I am? Thinks he's more important than me? You know, what's up with that? Naaman became angry and he had to, his servants had to talk sense into him. Bro, if he told you something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? Okay, well, this is pretty simple. Just go do it. Why are you getting all bent out of shape? Sometimes we need people to talk sense into us when we're angry. It's nice to have people that are, can speak into our lives. Say, hey, 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 come on, back, back to earth here, you know? Why, why are you getting so mad? Look. Your pride is hurt. You're disappointed. I get it. But listen, just go. You can be healed. You have you have leprosy. If you can be healed, why not go do it? Whatever it is. And so he actually goes, and then he's super grateful after that. He's like, oh, wow. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. 
So there's so many different reasons we can be angry. That's just five. I, I don't have time today to go on and on and on. But a lot of times we're angry, like Andy Stanley, as we feel like something's been taken from us. Sometimes in grief, we've suffered a loss. Or we're angry. Maybe we lost a loved one. And we, we, we deal with it, and it's natural to be angry. We've lost something. And, and that's part of that process. Um, I looked at, I would do it in some of my research, it talked about how when you, there's rigidity in your home, you grow up in a rigid home environment. Parents are like, it's my way or the highway, boy. You know, and then you see in the midst of that, a lot of hypocrisy. Because in rigidity, in, in very religious strict, there's always hypocrisy. Because the, the person in authority can never live up to the same rigidity. You're going to do it like I say, you know, blah, 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 you know, and then you see, well, you don't ever do that. Like, what? You, you're not even half of what you say, you know? And if you live in that environment constantly, there's, a, there's an un, uh, undertone of anger that fills your life. This is what research says. And you start to resent, you resent authority, you resent things. Because there's, you're out of control, you can't control that environment, and you see the hypocrisy, and there's nothing you can do, and there's anger that just builds that you can't deal with. Maybe you grew up that way. That anger has to go somewhere. It has to go somewhere. A lot of times it goes into ourself. People begin to hate themselves, begin to hurt themselves, despise themselves. It goes uh, to others. It goes all different directions, but it has to go somewhere. It can go to God. But often we don't do that. Because maybe, maybe, and this is what I'm trying to get at today, maybe we don't want to identify the fact that we really are angry. So if we don't ever identify it, we can't ever actually deal with it. And we can't actually ever give it to God because we're still in denial that it's even there. Sometimes the burden of serving. Mike, you've been there. Mike's such a great servant of the Lord. Uh, you know, hey, Mike, why don't you come do this? Why don't you come just lay stuff on your shoulders? You can carry it. You can, you're, hand, you're a great guy. You're so awesome. Let me give everything to you, right? And, and Mike's just one person. But, I mean, we could say that of others, right? The burden of serving. You're such a great person. We're just going to keep giving you stuff. And now, don't you love Jesus? You know, like, yes, I do, but I'm also, like, just a normal person. Like, I can't do everything, you know? I mean, there are limits, right? And sometimes people use uh, manipulation and spiritual things and all this sort of things to get us, and we feel way down, but we don't want to say no. We have the conflict in us. And, and what happens, honestly, over time is anger. Why do you think church people are so gripey sometimes? They're so, they're so bitter. or they, You get these church disputes because there's all this anger that's not actually dealt with. People loading you down with these expectations. Oh, I'm supposed to be praising the Lord. I'm supposed to be having it. And, and, and all of it builds up. And, and that's why we have these church splits and fights and all this sort of stuff. People can't honestly deal with the emotions that they have inside and say, you know, there's a place for that, even in Scripture. Like we started with it. Be angry. It's okay. And don't sin. Be angry and don't sin. Be honest with the fact that's going on and then deal with it in the right way. So there's, there's unrighteous anger, there's righteous anger. And, and again, I don't have time today to, get, to deal with this. I didn't quite pace myself the right way. But let me just give you these blanks here. Um, yeah, you can come. come with. Um, in the Old Testament, we talk about how God is slow to anger and abounding in love. Uh, this is righteous, number two, righteous anger. In the Old Testament, the anger of God. 
He's slow to he's slow to anger and abounding in love. We have to come to an understanding of, of what does that even mean? Because if God can be angry, and He's perfect, I guess there's a way to be angry and not sin, right? We have to understand how to do that. There is righteous anger. There's anger of Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus got angry. He wasn't just the hippie guy that, oh, I love everybody. Let's sing Kumbaya, hippie Jesus. Jesus got mad at people. Right? And did he get mad because somebody, you know, snubbed him of something? Or, you know, I'm not getting a big crowd like this other guy is, you know. No, his anger was not always based. That's different because Jesus is God. So, I mean, none of us are God. So, it's a little different, but we can learn from it. Jesus in the temple makes a whip because people are, are totally distorting what worship is all about. It's turning into this business. It's turning into this robbery of people. And he's, he's upset at the system. This system is broken. This system was to bring life to people, and it's, it's not. And this system is about people finding life, and it's not. I have to, I, I'm mad. And so an appropriate response, sometimes we've come to systems that are broken, is to be mad. This is not right. And so we'll look at this next week. Sometimes we're not angry enough. Things are messed up. We're like, oh, well, no, this is not right. It's injustice, right? The injustice of the world, sometimes we get so mad about our little problems, but we don't care about the injustices of the world. And so this is the difference. Jesus is looking at, uh, in Mark 3 to 5, there's, he's, healing, uh, he's healing a man. And, and, and the people are, don't want him to be healed. They're trying to find a way, and he's mad. At, why would we have this religious system that wants people to be held down and broken? We're so concerned about things that don't matter. And so Jesus is upset at this religious system that had taken place at that time that was against people finding life. Um, he, he, was, he warns the lepers sternly to be careful how they tell everybody. That's a little more complicated of a situation. But uh, there's a sense of Jesus wasn't trying to just draw a big crowd of people to come see miracles. He wanted the people to listen to his message. Um, he's mad at the disciples for sending children away. Hey, 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 children are important. Hey, what, what are you thinking? You know, why, why are we sending the kids away? I, I love the kids just as much as I love the adults. So Jesus is upset. Hey, 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 that's not what we do. I, I love all these people. Uh, Lazarus, now this is interesting. Uh, it says, before he raises him from the dead, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. It literally means, the word there means he's snorting in anger. It doesn't translate that way because it doesn't read well, but... Troubled in his spirit, it sounds like, oh, darn, Lazarus is dead. No, but he was angry at a world that's so broken that's not like he created. He's angry at the world that, that there's death in the world, that people have to experience these things. When you experience the death of a loved one, Jesus is angry that the world is that way. But he also came and gave his life, so it won't always be that way. He came and died on a cross for us to fix the world that's broken. But Jesus is angry that, you know, the people go through these things in life. He's not, when you're going through something that's painful, he's not some faraway place. He's right there with you. Right. And he, if you're angry, he's angry. Yes. I, he's saying, I don't want it to be that way either. I, I gave my life so that it will change. And if you'll trust me, I'll walk with you through the midst of it. Yeah. And finally, number three is, is, is self-righteous. 
why are we angry with the reasons for it we could have unrighteous anger we can have righteous anger sometimes it's self-righteous and i'll just say it i don't want to spend a lot of time here but basically this is where it's mixed where, where maybe there's some some just cause maybe we were hurt maybe there is real reason but because it's so turned in on ourselves, we can't get to the bottom of it a lot of times this is the, the difficulty of life we live in james 4 1 to 2 says what causes fights and quarrels among you don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you can't give what you want, so you quarrel and fight. A lot of times we go through life and it's not so cut and dry. People do hurt us and harm us, and, and maybe our anger isn't just unrighteous anger. It's real anger. It's real legitimate, but because it starts turning so inward, it just becomes self-righteous. We can't find an outlet for it, and it's all about ourselves, and we become so focused and consumed with ourselves that we can't move forward. This is just self-righteous anger. I was wrong. It's not fair. That's not right. And rather than knowing what to do with it and going forward, we just get consumed with ourselves. Why am I angry? Am I letting the devil gain a foothold in my life? Think about that this morning as we wrap this up. That's the question I want us to think about. Next week, we'll talk about the expression of our anger. What do we do with it? We'll look at ways that we can, three ways specifically that we can deal with our anger. Um, but if everybody would just you would stand to your feet, we're going to sing. I, I chose a song for us to sing at the end here to kind of conclude our service today. And I want to identify the fact that there are legitimate reasons where we're hurt, we're dealing with anger, and just singing a song doesn't solve it. So let's not pretend that we're going to sing a song and everybody's happy and we go leave. That's not how it works. But, especially for the smaller things of life, the things that we've let consume our thinking, the littler things that we let, maybe you just kind of constantly perturb with this and that. Sometimes just a shift of our mind can be very helpful. Yes. You know, if, there, if there's a big thing that happened, let's not just say a little, little song is going to fix it, but for all those little things that we get so upset about, I'm mad at the referee. I'm mad at this. I'm, you know, all the little things I'm going to argue with you about. Let, let's think for a second how good God is. I think keeping that in perspective, how good he's been to us in those little things of life, the moment we get overlooked, the moment we don't, things aren't turning out exactly how we thought they would, the moment that we think, man, that's not fair. If we get our eyes back onto what God has done and who he is and how good he is, Sometimes those little things that we get mad about become very, very, very small. And we're able to move forward and say, you know what? I don't have to be angry about this. And rather than Cain saying, you know what? You're asking me this question. He never, he never responds to God. He just, rather than answering the question, why are you angry? He just goes on and does what he wants to do. But if we'll take a second and say, you know what? I really don't have that big of a reason to be angry. You know, God, you are good. God, you are great. And I'm going I'm to let this go. I'm going to give it to you. And one of the things we can do, like we said earlier with anger, it's a debt-to-debt relationship. What you can do sometimes, it really is just the best next step, is to choose to forgive. With anger, a lot of times we feel someone's taken something from us. What you can do is choose to forgive. And say, so, you know what I'm going to do is forgive this person, and I'm going to let the anger go. And I'm going to, even though I'm going to acknowledge that it was wrong, it's not saying it didn't matter. It's saying, you know, that was wrong, but you know what, I'm going to forgive them. Just as Christ has forgiven me, I'm going to forgive them. And I'm going to move forward, not in anger, but in love. 
is I want to be like my heavenly father who's slow to anger but is abounding in love. And so let's do that this morning. Let's sing together. If you're dealing with some things, just maybe if you want to kneel down and pray, if you want to, however you want to respond, but let's let God speak to our hearts about what's going on there. And if there's some things you want to let go, just let's do it right now. If there's somebody you need to forgive, let's let's offer that up to the Lord as we sing together. Oh 
frustrations, many challenges, many opportunities to be upset, angry. Uh, God will remember that you're good. And Lord, you didn't promise to make our life easy. You didn't promise that our life would be fair. You didn't promise that every situation will turn out the way we want it. You didn't promise that um, our life will be as good as ne our next door neighbors. God, what you promised is that you'll be with us. <laughs> That you'll never leave us or forsake us. And you're always good. And you're always working all things together for the good who love, of those who love you and have been called according to your purpose. So Lord, remember that today. And God, as we leave, Lord, we, we want to continue to dig into our heart, God, because you're, you care about our hearts. We don't want to leave things in there where the enemy can get a foothold. So Lord, let us ask, why are we angry? Why are we angry? Let us think about the hurt maybe that's been done to us in life. Even though it's painful, even though it's hard to really process, it's hard to deal with God, we want to want to think about it because we want to be able to give it to you and not hold on to it forever. So Lord, today we choose to forgive God as much as we can in this moment. And God, we choose to forgive as you allow us and, and free us up to do that. We want to forgive. We want to be like you. And God, we want to let the little things go little things that we allow to anger us, the, the driver that cuts us off, the, 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 the boss at work, the, the extra thing here and there, the other burden on our back. We want to let those things go, God. We want to be able to, to live a life that's not burdened down by, by anger, but full of love. So Lord, let us be like you. As we, as we leave this place, let our light shine. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. amen.